0: Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. Our text for this series has been Isaiah 54-7. I want to read it in Amplified Classic. Um, there, Isaiah 54-7, this scripture right here, I think from seven to ten can change your life if you really absorb it. And I want to read it to you. It's been our text for why God is not mad. I want you to write these truths down. Okay. I'm really, this is really, this is really this is like a side nugget. God has shifted this this um the anointing in these services. Um I was trying to. I was trying to grasp it today. I didn't know what it was. It's like everything, I was just telling before we came on, everything has like supernaturally slowed down. And I know this for me, when I'm in that slow, like, it's kind of like almost rhythm of it. It's like really slow. I know I'm gonna teach some good stuff. Does that make sense? So I know like when I'm in this kind of rhythm I'm in today, like I'm in this slow, like it's like almost like, Slow down rhythm. That's because these truths, you know, sometimes you're inspirational and you're just preaching. It's like, you know, machine gun. But now it's really slow. I need you to, like, really just write these down and grab them because God's, like, kind of, like, teaching them over to you. So it's okay. I'm trying to set you up that there's going to be some powerful truth in this I want you to get. So what you have to understand is this, is that God has got a covenant promise of peace to you and me. So you got to write these down. A covenant promise of peace. God made a covenant agreement never to be angry at you again. Now you don't you got to write that down. But you have to understand something. God takes covenant so serious that if God made a covenant with you not to be angry with you, he ain't never gonna be angry at you a day in your life. If God, now you gotta see something here. God's not disappointed with you. God's not a man. Now that's that sounds, God, you know, you know I love that numbers. God is not a man that he should lie. But God is not a man. God's a spirit. He doesn't act and respond like people. People are happy with you one minute, messed up with you the next. They're praising you today. They're cussing you out. You know what I'm saying? That is not God. God is a covenant-keeping God, and God is not mad at you. So look at this scripture in verse 7, and we're going to build off this thing, and I want you to see it. He says, for a brief moment, I forsook you. But with great compassion and mercy, I will gather you to me again. Okay? That's that's kind of that's kind of big now. He's saying, Look, I, I kinda like forsook you, but I'm gonna gather you again. Now we know we've been gathered. Okay. In a little burst of wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with age enduring love and kindness, I will have compassion and mercy on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. Now that's kind of like a what did he say? I I had wrath. Now, the wrath went on Jesus, okay? So it doesn't have to go on me and you. We exchanged. That's that Colossians exchange. So Jesus was on the cross. He took God's wrath. He took God's vengeance. He took God's anger. He took God's, every firepower that he had, he took it all on him, okay? So he could redeem us or pay the ransom, there's a word we're gonna study in these next couple of days. He was the propitiation for our sin. Now, we're gonna get in now. I'm hoping it over the next couple of Wednesdays I can get in there. Basically, that was the blood sacrifice, Christ, who satisfied the claims of sin. Now, you gotta understand this. When I tell you he satisfied the debt of sin, he satisfied the anger He didn't just sat, listen, the shedding of the blood for the remission of sins for a cleansing ability to our life forever, but it was more than just he cleansed us from our sins, which seems to be like, what do you mean more than that? That's huge. It is huge, but how about this? He took God's wrath for sin on him. He took God's anger. He took the sin, the pestilence, the plague, all the ungodly on him so he doesn't have to go near us. And that's what he says, I've redeemed you or I paid ransom for you. For this is like the days of Noah unto me. Now this is huge. I I mean, verse nine to me has really just been exploding. Every time we read it, I think we go deeper into it. For this is like the days of Noah to me. What do you mean? I swore to Noah that I was never gonna flood the earth again. And that's what I showed him, that rainbow. But now I swore to you, I'm not going to be angry nor rebuke you. What? You're not going to be angry nor rebuke me? No. Now, now, correction, correction, you understand what I'm saying, but he's not talking, he's talking about this. It's correction not based upon separation. It's correction based upon connection. Okay? Does that make sense? Correction based upon connection, not separation. See, that's the problem with sin. It makes you think like you're separated from God. You're not. Correction based upon connection. That's what it's about. It's not separation. I'm going to I'm gonna steer you. I'm going to guide you. But he said, I'm not going to be angry with you. He talks about a covenant of peace with you. For though the mountain shall depart and everything be shaken, my love and kindness shall not depart from you. So God is love towards me. God's kindness toward me shall be my covenant of peace. A a covenant of peace. This is a blood covenant. You cannot lie. If you lie, you die. Why in the world do we have a covenant of peace and then we think God's mad at us? Completeness, completeness be removed. From who? Can't be. My covenant of peace and completeness. He whole, entire, wanting, nothing from the Lord. Says the Lord, who has compassion on you. That's God. So now let's start eradicating some of these things that I think you might mind deal with if you're not careful. Here's a big one, right? Write these down. They're going to help you. Number one. Why well, I'm not doing enough for God for God to be good with me. You know what I mean? I'm not doing enough, right? How many of us have been to that place? Well, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing good enough. How about that? I'm not doing good enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not meeting the mark. God, I'm like a spiritual dud. <laughs> you there's really good spiritual people, but I'm like a defective spiritual one. <laughs> You're a little defective in your spirituality, you know? No, no, no. Right? Um what, you know, sometimes, you know, there was these companies sometimes do this, they do surveys, you know. It was funny. We just today we were on a we were on a uh we were on a work call, you know. And we were on this and I said, "Can you imagine when we storyboard this vision thing out?" You know what I mean? Like, imagine polling the room and be like, "How many of you people really feel like your adequacy with God is at an all-time high?" You know what I'm saying? It'd be like, it's, it's funny, but it's true, right? Like, it'd be like, thinking like, we're gonna go do this brand new, like, we're gonna have a full day workshop where we break down vision, we break down culture, we break down branding, we break down the brand new season where we're going, we're getting ready for 2022. You know, you think like, great, this is great. How about we start with this? How about we have a personal inventory of your walk with God study day? I should come in here on a Sunday and go. How many think really seriously you're a spiritual dud? Raise your hand right now. I see that hand. Spiritual duds. Where's the spiritual duds? All the spiritual duds. Raise your hand. What do, What does he mean by dud? You can see like somebody like tapping her neighbor like dud like what like gets it right every once in a while. No, you know what I'm saying. We get these mindsets. Um, am I doing enough? You know what I mean. Am I doing enough for God? I remember I, I tell you a story. You want to laugh? I got so mad. I went to go see Lester Summerall at Orlando Christian Center in Orlando. And I was so mad after it was done. I was like, dude, I thought i man." I was like, oh my God, I better go repent. But I was so mad. Like, here's Dr. Lester Summerall. And he's going like this. Well, they smuggled me in. You know, he was kind of tough. You know, he's like, they smuggled me into China when I was a missionary in like 19, whatever. And I'm going, What? And I went here in the Philippines. I was like, this guy is changing the world. I can't even get out of my own way. This is way before Bible school. i just gotten saved. I never forget, we went to Denny's, and literally, honestly, I kicked the door. I was like, I was so mad. I was like, you know, you can push the handle. I, like, kicked it and pushed it at the same time. I I was mad. I was like, I don't do nothing for God. You know what I mean? This guy's. This guy's. This guy's like. This guy's like a ninja. You know. He's like a spiritual ninja. You know. He was like talking about going through communist China and like and like they didn't see him and I was like, how does this guy like turn invisible? Like, what is he a superhero? I'm like, this guy's got stories and they locked him into prison with with this demon possessed person and he did all these great exploits and preached the gospel and God spoke to him and I can't even read my Bible for 20 minutes. <laughs> I was like, you're a reject, man. And I was like, oh my God, I think I'm a spiritual reject. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God, this guy, like, you know, I thought I was doing good. You know, like I had a, you know, like you got a couple hours of reading the Bible under your belt. And you, you know, being this was serious. Like back then, I was like, you know, you're praying in tongues until you shake the house and you're reading the word, and you're like, you know, I've got my I got my spiritual act together compared to everybody in this room. You know, that's what I was feeling. Like, you know, I'm like, (laughs) you know, Sunday morning, I'm the man, you know. I was like ushering back then, you know, doing my thing. I'm like Sunday morning, I, you're right here. Here is the man. I am the man. I read my Bible like three hours a day this week, you know. And it wasn't like competition, but I just your spirituality. It was personal competition. It wasn't like anybody else. But you're like, I'm the man. Prayed in tongues, man. Prayed in tongues for an hour a day for seven days. How's that? You know, you're like, good. and your buddies can't even, you know, show up to church on time. You're like, I'm killing it, bro. I'm killing it in the spirituality. Whoa, oh, killing it. <laughs> and then you go to this meeting, and this guy's like, I, I left my house and was a missionary for 20 years and went to communist China. And you're like, what? 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 And you're like, you're aggravated because you're like, this guy's, this guy's really good. I'm not doing Nothing. You can't compare yourself one to another. That's the mission. That's the calling. Look, y'all did it. Like, what happens is, how do you know when you're doing enough? You know, a lot of people get this, like, perfectionism kind of thing, like, well, you know, I'm not doing enough. Not even that. And most of you guys ain't looking at that level. But you know what I'm saying. You could get to this spot where we almost think, like, well, I should be praying better, right? I should be studying better. I should be, you know, more spiritual. I should be praying in tongues more. God's looking at the meter. God's got that meter. You know, if I'm reading my Bible, I'm in the good with God. If I'm praying in tongues, whoa, tipping the scale, tipping the scale. No, man, God's peace, God's kind, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace is for you. Don't go getting this thing like my performance is now – elevating my spirituality. And that's what was all I was doing. Like, look at me, man. I'm reading the Bible, and I wasn't saying it out loud. It wasn't an arrogance or or, or an inflation of, of what I thought I was or what I thought I could do. But I thought, like, spiritually, hey, I got it pretty good. Well, we're comparing ourselves one to another. God didn't like me any better because I was doing these things. And maybe some of the things we were doing, we were doing because it was just what you thought. We need to do this. Some people just think that what they do for God is how God sees them. What they what they what the, the relationship is based on a performance. But I get it guys, life is based like hey you do good. What what system do we live in in the world? You do good at work, you get a promotion. You show up like schleppy, you don't get nothing. You do good in life, you get promoted. You act, you act right in life, things happen, right? It's in, it's either in or out, right? You know, we, we see it. Not with God, you, you're just in. You know, sometimes what's happened, if you're not careful, is we start living a performance-driven Christianity, and then we understand, like, well, I made a mistake, so God must be mad. I, I sinned but so god must be mad i um i went i went off track so god must be mad now god's not thrilled with the stuff when we make mistakes but god's not separating you and mad at you god's not thrilled when we miss the mark but god's not god's not ready to pack it in on you and be like hey hit 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 the road because you made a mistake god wants us to trust him look at look at john Look at John in the Amplified 629. Look what it says, right? Look at John 629. Do you believe in whom he sent? Look at this, right? So simple that we often miss this stuff. More than anything, God wants us to trust him and believe his word. And that's the thing. Stop trying to get to this next level without trusting. See, so it says, Jesus replied, this is the work, service, service. That God asks of you that you believe in the one whom he sent and that you can cleave to, trust, rely on, and have faith in his messenger. Now, look at the first part. And this is Jesus replied, This is the work, this is the service. What's the service? That God asks you to believe in the one in whom he sent. You see that? So what service do we have now? Believe well, in the one he sent. Have faith in the message. Have faith in Jesus. Have faith in the promises. The new work is faith. It's not a, It's not just act, faith is an action, but the new work of faith is believe. And believe has an action. So we don't have to do as much as we have to believe. Isn't that kind of good? Because it removes the myth of thinking, um, all this crazy, like, performance stuff. Lose it. God's good with you, man. Now, here's the one thing God asked for, and I like this. I want to show you this one. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Amplified Classic C. Just go to, uh, you know, the extra, the plus. You know what I mean? Now, this is really good. Look what it says here. Therefore, my brethren, beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? Always being superior, excelling, and doing more than enough in your service to the Lord, knowing that being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile, but it is what? It is not wasted or to no purpose. So now here's what he says. He says, if you're gonna do something for God, do it with everything you got. So now here's the thing, I'm gonna show you something. This is the mentality. One mentality is I'm gonna do it with everything I got and then God's gonna give me greater reward for what I do based upon my performance. That is not what we're saying. God loves you just like, you know what's funny? This is so good. I was was kind of thinking on this, I meditated on this the other day and I can get it out right I think. God, this is so powerful. God, this is how you know this thing works. God sees everybody the same. Okay? This is how you know this is so clean. God loves everybody the same, sees everybody the same, talks about everybody the same, and has no biasness at all in who he is. But he rewards everybody based upon you following the gifting that God has given you. Because on the other side of your resurrection, God gave you a ministry. And the rewards of heaven are based upon how well you follow that ministry that God gave you. Now that's, that's God doesn't change the way he sees you. God doesn't change the way he thinks about you. God loves everybody the same. But the way God can reward you is based upon everything how you've taken what he's called you to be and do and carried it into the earth. So that's huge. So doing everything what? In my service to the Lord with everything more than enough. Now, I'm not everything more than enough because it's gonna make my meter with God go up and down, but it's gonna allow my reward system. But you're not just doing it for the reward. You do it out of love anyway. But you get what I'm saying. It's not acceptance with God based upon performance. I'm accepted by God without my performance, and now because I know that, I'm gonna give God everything in my performance. See what I'm saying? So that's good. And a lot of you, you're messed up because you human stuff. You know what I mean? You know, you are you gotta, you know, maybe your parents were whacked out, or you know what I mean? You got, you know, you had somebody around angry, a spouse, or this, uh, you know, maybe something was right. So you know what happens is you start seeing through the eyes of everything, you know, everything that humanly possibly could be a, a, a filter. You know, you know. so if you grow up in environments, you kind of portray God like the environment sometimes, and that's not good. It's not good. Does that make sense? Um, you got to realize this. It, I, I, the only way to really get it to, to understand um, no matter what you had to live through because sometimes like, did you never do this? like it was funny. I had one time I was trying these sunglasses on and they were like yellow, you know I was out and about and I tried these on and man, once you put these things on it was like amber or something on them or everything you saw had this yellow look, of course because of the lens. you know And you kind of get used to it. and then I tried these I tried these dark ones on you know and it was like, wow, these are different total different perspective. Then I tried these light blue ones on and I was like, man everything's blue, everything's yellow. Everything's dark. Everything's this, everything's that. Well, it wasn't the room didn't change. The lens I was looking through made the colors look different. And that's what happens with life. Sometimes you get like, man, I lived in this house. It was crazy. So you got this lens. Or I lived in this anger pit, and you got this lens. And you start seeing God like that. Or you start seeing people like this. Or you start seeing that. You got to remove those lenses. You know, some of you lived under a microscope. You know, it's funny. I've had, uh, I've had acquaintances and people and stuff that had lived in... Um, a, like some people live in a performance mentality um, thing. Everything's based upon your performance. You know, you could be like, you could be a banker in Wall Street and you got perform. It's all about performance. If you don't meet the numbers, you don't, you know, somebody doesn't understand that, they understand it. You could be in a realm where, you know, uh, wins and losses makes a difference whether you're accepted or denied. You know, you could be an industry where like you're, you're microscoped in your life. So a lot of people have mindsets based upon the environments that they're in. Maybe you had a, a controlling parent, or maybe you had a controlling friend, or now you got peer pressure. Peer pressure, my God, it says, if you don't look like this, or act like this, or do this, you're, you know, your, your life's about, you know, you're a real mess. That's not true. God's got a different standard of life, but if you're not careful, you'll pick up those different classes, you know, and now you're looking through this, well, I guess, you know, I'm not, I should be there by now. No, lose the fact that God is, You're doing what you're doing, and if what you're doing isn't meeting the mark, get the the performance up, not for the acceptance from God, but because I'm accepted from God, I want to maximize my performance. God's already accepted you. We talked about the covenant of peace. Now, if I'm not doing enough, then get going. Not because God's going to accept me, but because God's empowered me to go do that's the biggest thing. I think that's the easiest way to look at it. I'm not doing it to get God to accept me. I'm not doing it to become, you know, oh, God, if I do this, you know, I'm gonna become teacher's pet. No, what he's saying is you do what I'm telling you to do because what I'm telling you to do is about the gifting and only you can do it. But it's not about accept or reject. You're ready to accept it. How about this one? This is a big one, right? Well, God can't forgive me. You don't know what I did, Pastor Chris. There's no way God's gonna forgive me. There's no way God's forgiven me for this mess. Well, I got news for you. He has. If you look at this Psalm 51.1 in the Passion, Psalm 51.1, this is David. And David, um, this is it's powerful. We're going to read 51, 52, 53. So good. Look what it says: God give me mercy. God give me mercy from your foundation, I'm sorry, from your fountain of forgiveness. God, give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt. Man, isn't that strong? Because your compassion is so great, take away this same shameful guilt of sin and forgive the full extent of my rebellious ways and erase this deep, stain on my conscience man is that a scripture or what and this is david's cry and prayer and confession when the prophet nathan exposed his adultery with bathsheba david writes out of his pit of like i've i've a moral failure i, I he he think is he confessed he confessed to his act of adultery and he goes god Give me mercy. Now, if anybody sees this, whoa, that's the the Bible. You know, I, I don't know, how does it apply? This is David's heart cry from a man that was trapped in adultery. Does it make sense? Like, this guy ain't just writing stuff on a page. Like, I don't know. He's crying out like, God, give me mercy. I made a mistake. How in the world are you gonna forgive me? I'm following you. I mean, if God can forgive David, trust me, he can forgive you. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt. Oh, isn't that strong? Because your compassion is so great. Take away this guilt of sin. Man, isn't that so strong? That's not the point. Sin is bad, but the guilt of sin stays forever. Forgive my rebellious ways. Take this stain off my conscience. Oh my God, isn't this, this is like almost beautiful. You know what I mean? I know it's heartfelt. You know, he's like, can you, re- look at this thing. Look at the things we do to stain our conscience. He's like, God, get in there. Only you could take it. I'm so ashamed. I feel such pain and anguish within me. I can't get away from this sting of my sin against you. Do you see this? Lord, everything I did, I did right in front of you. You saw it all against you and above all I have sinned. Everything you say to me is infallibly true and your judgment conquers me. Isn't that good? So good, man. He's saying you can do it. But what's the problem? Satan remembers every stupid thing you did, I did, whatever was wrong, and he loves to remind you of your failure or you're missing the mark or you're missing the moment. He is he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he could hinder and make mine deal. He's, he's basically, he wants us to buckle at the position of guilt and shame in our life. So he wants you to do. He wants to just beat you down till you don't live no more. You know, nobody's without sin. You know what I mean? We all feel guilty at times. And sometimes guilt lingers. But that doesn't mean we have to live under the constant pressure and presence of this mess. God gave you his ability. That's why I went this. He went, God gave you complete forgiveness for everything, the sin, willful and unwillful. You know, uh, knowing and unknowing. Think about that one. So you know what I mean? So like, you know, like, this. I don't want to make you go there, but you could think of the worst thing you ever did in your life. God already forgave it. And I know it sounds crazy. It sounds unfair. It sounds like, well, how come you get away? That's the, that's the, that's the good news. That Jesus took it. Now He doesn't want you to constantly be in it, but my God, the good news is is great is greater than your bad thing you did. I mean, that's got to bring relief. I would think. But see, here's the thing: you got to believe it. See, that's what that I'm going to read. That perfect love casts out fear once you understand perfect love that God gave you based now the thing is God gave you and me perfect love it casts out fear so once once me and you go hey you know what bump this we're in per, we're in perfect we, we perfect love we don't because fear has a thought of punishment. That's why love is so important. Does that make sense? So perfect love casts off fear. It says there's no thought of punishment when you're walking in love. God's not punishing me. That's number three. Write this down. God's not punishing you. Just write that down. God's not punishing you. How many times do you think, oh, God's doing this to me? You know what I mean? I've heard people say that for years. Oh, God's punishing me because I was bad. Isn't that crazy? Look what it says in Romans 3, 324. Look at this in Romans 324. Yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal, my God in heaven. You see that there? God freely gives away his righteousness. His, did you see that? He freely gives away right standing with him. Powerful, God's powerful Declaration of acquittal. You're acquitted. You ever go to watch court? You're acquitted. That means you're out. God freely gives away his righteousness. His gift of love and favor now cascades over us. All because Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from the guilt Punishment and power of sin. Man, oh man, he's liberated me from the guilt, the punishment, and the power. So if he if he took the if he took the punishment, why in the world would he be punishing you? The anointed one Jesus has what liberated, set you free from guilt. He put guilt on him, he put punishment on him. He put the power of sin on him. How many, how many people think, well, when I got problems, God's mad at him? I got problems, God's mad at me. And he's mad at me because I'm a sinner. Yeah, you know, you got people like, well, you know, God did this to me because, you know, I'm I'm bad. No, God ain't doing nothing. God don't work in the bad business. He doesn't punish you for your sin, he punished Jesus for your sin. That's why you got this is why you I mean you this serious should make you fall in love with Jesus. He took the punishment upon him so you don't have to take it on you. Man, I'm telling you right now, he took the wrath and put it on Jesus. He put the anger on Jesus, he put the, the punishment on Jesus. For the chastisement of my peace went on him. He got chastised so I could have peace. He got beat so I could have peace. He got he got nailed to a cross so I could have peace. That's the that's the gospel. I'm telling you, trouble in your life is not a sign that God is angry with you. And when you go through this stuff, God said this. He said, cheer up. Why? You've overcome the world because my faith is in you. Look at it. Look at this. And It's 1 John 4, 18. Love takes away the thought of punishment. You see it? Love never brings fear. Yeah. Love never brings fear. Fear is always related to punishment. Okay? You see that? But love, you see that? Love never brings fear. Why? Because fear has a place of punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from your heart. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Uh Uh-oh. So you got to work on your love walk. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. The thought of punishment. So God's punishing me. Nah, 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 God ain't punishing you. He punished Jesus so he doesn't have to punish you. Go go, Go get your love walk fixed. Now, that doesn't mean you're not walking in love. You're probably not walking in love at the level you need to because you don't have a revelation of God's love. So go get a revelation of how much God loves you, and you won't have to worry about punishment no more. Uh, God loves me. Now, that's not a license to go get wacky. That's a license to live holy. So you know what I mean? So four, what's four? God's not mad at you. Remember, that's the whole series. Write that down because it's important. God's not mad at you. God's grace showed up so God... Listen. This is this is this is like really good. God's holiness demanded justice. Okay? And a sacrifice had to be made that you and I could not pay the debt. That's why Jesus showed up. See, holiness is Christ-likeness and man's sin, there had to be a sacrifice And man couldn't pay the sacrifice because man doesn't have the capacity to do it. So that's why God came in the form of Jesus and paid the price himself for us. Because we could not become the standard of exchange there. You understand what I'm saying? So he sent his only begotten in exchange for me and you because we could not Reads the demand of justice that holiness required. That's why Jesus came as a spotless, sinless sacrifice. It had to be perfect. We were we we can't be we, we were in the fall. We couldn't be perfect. So no man can do what Jesus did. Jesus took the punishment that we deserved for our sins. Now, how do you know that? He died on the cross as a thief, never have stealing anything a day in his life. So he paid the death of what? A thief. Okay? So basically, what was his punishment? He paid the price on the cross from a crime he never committed. So why is he there? He's there because you're supposed to be there. And not that we were just a, a, a thief, but a lawbreaker. Having never, I should say it like this He died the death of being a lawbreaker, having never broken the law. So, how's he there? He's there paying the price for us, the lawbreaker who could not live right. See the exchange? So, he ain't up there for himself, he's up there for you. So, Jesus took our punishment that we deserved for our sins and took care of us and blessed us instead of giving us what we deserve. So so now you got to start. Now there's a level where, you know, everybody got to be obedient. You know, everybody's like, well, you know, well, that's why you got to be led by the Spirit of God and be obedient. Obedience is key. But this thing ain't messing you up. Now the only thing is just live a life of obedience. Obey the word. You start getting an understanding of this kind of grace, forgiveness, and mercy, and unconditional love, Man, you know God's attitude towards you is merciful and not angry. How in the heaven can you come out of this thing and be like, God's mad at me after you see this? I don't care what kind of misconceptions you have, what kind of ideas you have, what kind of out and left field stuff somebody taught you. Man, if you don't, God cannot stop loving you, man, and he ain't mad at you. You know what I mean? You know, and let me let me give you this. So just, I'll give you point number five, and then we'll carry this on the next week because it's a lot. God's anger towards sin was placed on Jesus for us. Now that's huge. God's anger towards sin was placed on Jesus for us. Did you get that? And we're gonna look at Romans. I'm gonna. Uh, it's gonna be. It's a lot. But um, let me just start it, okay? Let me look at Romans 8.1. There was there no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. It's King James, who walked not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I'll give you a minute, because I threw that in there, kind of like. But Romans 8.1 says this. He says, Jesus separated us from this mess, okay? So, woo-hoo, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, that's me and you now. That's me and you. Okay, did you get that? There is there no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So that's why we gotta be spirit-led. Walk after the spirit, not the flesh. For the Lord, of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sin for flesh and sin condemned, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So he said he put it in him. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the mind the things of the spirit. Now here's the deal. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if you're going to keep a natural mind, you got problems. you got to get a spirit mind and live in life and peace. Peace. A carnal mind is an enemy against God and it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So we ain't in the flesh, we're in the spirit. But you are not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwells in you. The spirit of God dwells in you, dwells in me. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So that's lost people. They ain't part of God. Only spiritual people are. And in Christ, and if Christ be in you, your body's dead because of sin. That's what he's showing you. He's saying, look, you're a new creature, man. You ain't the old you. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Okay? Now watch this. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also make alive, that means quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So now this is what I'm saying. We have to to allow this quickening, life-giving Holy Spirit to now reprogram how we see ourselves. Okay? Now that's big because here's the thing. So now you're gonna tell me over the next couple, I'm gonna tell you this stuff I'm going to tell you a lot of this stuff next week too. So what am I trying to get you to see? Man, God on the cross took his anger and put it on Jesus because he couldn't put it on me and you. And somebody had to pay the price for it because man's transgression. And it had to be the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. And it couldn't just be an atonement like the Old Testament. It had to be perfect sacrifice. That's why Jesus came born of a virgin into the earth with with no sin. See, this is what I'm saying. So now all this stuff makes sense. Why? So, God pours his anger. Why does God pour anger out on sin? Because he hates it. God doesn't like sin. He loved Jesus. Here, this is going to, this is going to show you something that's big. This will help you. You think God loved Jesus? Obviously, no brainer, yes to that question, right? Everybody passed the test. So, if God loved Jesus, right? God loved Jesus. Obviously, he did why in the world would he put his anger of sin upon him? Because he loves you. And he knows nobody else could take that on him but him. So now when you see all these people living God knows what kind of life, God's the one who's long-suffering towards it because he's the one who paid the price for it. That's why you got to be merciful with people who ain't getting it right away. And I'm the, I'm trust me, I'm tough, man. I I don't play with none of this stuff. I, I'm I'm I probably need to be a little bit like with church people all day long. I give you I give you the benefit of These lost people that wanna stick it in your face and act like clowns and stuff like that. To God be the glory. It's a miracle I make it. You know what I mean? Because it's like, look, man, you know you you know you're acting a fool, and you know what I mean. Not church people. Church people, man, I get it, man. You guys are working it out and getting it. But these people just blatantly hellbent acting like a fool and stuff like this. And you're looking at them like, come on, man, you know better than this. I know you can't live the life. I'll give you mercy and grace. But sometimes you start slipping and going, hey man, look, all that is, is pride. Jesus can get you in. Come on, get in. And I'm not saying I'm not compassionate, but you know what I'm talking. You guys know what I'm talking about. Some of this stuff is just blatant antichrist and you get a little tired of seeing it sometimes and go man god if you want to turn up the flames a little bit and just like no, don't burn nobody but scorch them a little bit you know what i mean just touch them with the fire you know just touch them with the fire and let them understand now listen we understand that we need compassion and we love people but you know what i'm saying when i say that is that now god man why don't you do something about it you know somebody just asked me yesterday like look at the earth we're living in why doesn't god do something well, he sent Jesus. He's the one who's long-suffering. Let him take his time because he's the one who sent the sacrifice to redeem mankind. If he wants to leave mankind for a moment to give him a chance to repent and get right with him, the lost people, then leave God alone, it ain't none of your business. He sent Jesus to make sure we're right. I need to get you right. What he's gonna do in the earth, we'll figure that out later. But right now, are you knowing right now today, God's not mad at you, God loves you, God cares about you, God wants a fellowship with you, God wants to have a relationship with you, and God put his anger, his wrath, we'll talk about it next week, his anger, his wrath, his Judgment, his vehement, just fury on Jesus. So if you put on Jesus, how in the world is he gonna put it on me? He can't. He doesn't want to. So there you go. So next time you start going like, oh, you know, God's this. Now, following the plan of God for your life, Doing all this stuff. I mean, God's gonna lead you and guide you. But this is not about, you know, walking in love. How many of you ain't gonna walk out of love? Come on, man. How many of you ain't gonna make a mistake? Come on, man. It's never about in or out. He's guiding you. Are you getting this? Like we got this all in mentality with God. Well, when I'm doing good, I'm all in. And when I'm out, I'm out. No, you're all in all the time because you're living in him. Now you're learning how how important it is to walk in the spirit and be spirit led. So as this series hits you, come on, let's just erase some of these mindsets of how you think God sees you. God doesn't see you the way you see you. My ways are not your ways. That's not because we're ignorant. That's not because we're ignorant. My thoughts are not your thoughts. That's not because we're being foolish. That's because God's saying, look, you got to see you the way I see you. you got to think the way I think about you. And you got to start walking out the way I see you in my eyes, not the way you see yourself. And the only way to do that is with the truth. And as we start allowing the love of God and the truth of God's word to, to kind of collide at the same time, it's shaping the new world we're getting ready to live in, understanding that God's not mad at me. God loves me. And I'm going to work on my character side of life. And I'm going to be a better follower of Christ because nothing can separate me from his love. Amen? Father, let me just pray for you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this awesome, awesome opportunity. Come be with my team. God, I thank you for the friends and the partners. I thank you, God, that they get a revelation. that God, you're not mad at them. You love them. You care about them. You want to lead them. You want to guide them. You want to help them. And you want the next season of life to be a better season than the season they're walking in now. So let these powerful truths be absorbed into their mind. Let it be renewed and let it change their heart. and Let it change their actions and let them change the way they see themselves because we know that you can do it. I thank you, Father, because of revelation, knowledge, and the anointing, you're transforming people's lives as we speak. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God, guys. I'm so excited. Hallelujah. It's been good to be with you. Don't forget. I love this message. It's been great. We're sharing more in the church about this. Come on in and be with us. Wednesday night, seven online. You know it. Just like tonight, same place, same time, same channel. Right? wasn't that Batman. Same time, same place, same channel, right? Amen. And don't forget 9 and 10.30, Sunday morning online experience. And don't forget 10.30 in person. Come see us. We love you. We're praying for you and your family. And we can't wait to see you soon at Relevant. Love you guys. Bye-bye.